Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you joining us today. It is good to be back prayerfully for you in our series in Acts as we uh, enter into 2021. And although the world has not definitely stabilized, I pray that you'll find stability and encouragement and hope and energy and enthusiasm from your relationship with the Lord during this time period. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he can be our rock in whatever tumultuous time you go through, amen? Amen. And that's why we're here. We're here to talk about him, and we're here to celebrate what he does in our lives through the teaching and preaching of God's word. So pioneers, we began this in the fall, and uh, we got through five chapters in the fall, okay? So we know there's a few more left here in Acts, and so we're gonna be heading in again, Um, but the whole series has kind of been prefaced on we're entering into uncertain times and how can we have certainty in uncertain times? It's by strengthening our faith. And the Pioneer series really speaks to having a pioneer spirit going into things for our attitude is gonna really determine how we handle this and how we go through all these changes that have been thrown into our lives. And that was the pioneer spirit that we talked about to open the series. There were three characteristics I gave you. It's a whatever, whenever, however. We leveraged a a little section in scripture where Jesus is talking to what's called the would-be followers. They said, Jesus, we're gonna follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus starts listing what's this actually gonna look like and we never hear from them again. It, it seems that maybe the demands were too high for them, but, but a pioneer spirit doesn't say, no, I'm not gonna do it, not if I have to do it that way. I do things my way. A, 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 a spirit that's more of a bandwagon, I should say, says, I'm out, I'm just not ready yet, or I'll pass, there's too much to lose. Where the pioneer spirit says, okay, I'm in, whatever it takes, I'll do it, what I can, I'll go, there's just too much to gain. It's that whatever, I'll sacrifice my comforts. If you had the God of comfort, that's being exposed this year. I wanna I want know what the future is, I wanna know what everything's gonna happen, I, don't, I want myself to be safe. If, if that is a, a, a problem or a struggle, and I think we all have it, that's being challenged this year and last year. Uh, whenever, um, now, if God calls us to now, And so often, young people, you'll find this out when you get into your 19, 20, 21, a lot of times you're not prepared for things, okay? You hear young people say, well, we're just not prepared to have kids. I'm telling you, you're never prepared to have kids. You just gotta go for it, all right? You just jump in and go for it. Um, Whenever, okay? And then however, sometimes we gotta sacrifice our ways of doing things. And, And sometimes the Lord, you notice he doesn't run it by us if we're okay with it? I just wanted to let you know I'm changing everything and allowing change or changes occurring in your life. And we would like if you ran that by us. No, he's looking for a whatever, whenever, however faith. You know, our church likes rapata. Maybe we need a maybe we need another bracelet, whatever, whenever, however. For I have found I have been challenged in that area so much in my own life. And and I and I want to encourage you that I think the Lord's telling us, look. I'm asking you to live a certain way regardless of your circumstances. Well, how can I? You gotta be in my word. You gotta be in my truth. And you've gotta have faith in me over anything else. And if you don't, it will get exposed in uncertain times. And so I wanna go into 21 
controlling what I can control. And I know there's one thing that I can control, and that is my relationship with the Lord. He gives me an opportunity to pursue him as much as I'd like to. But have you ever noticed you fall short in so many ways in that area? Young people, before I lose you, it was always an abstract concept to me to grow closer to God until I had a speaker share with me after a message. He said, well, Chris, how do you grow closer to a girl? Oh, okay. Do you never spend time with her? Do you never talk to her? Do you find out what she likes? Oh, yeah, you do. Do you send guys to find out what she likes? Yeah, you do, actually. When you find out what she likes, do you go out of your way to not do it? No, I go out of my way to do it. See, you know what it's like to pursue a relationship, and that took an abstract concept with my relationship with God and began to make it concrete. And I began to go, okay, how can I sit here and go, I wanna grow closer to God and never hear from him? How can I sit here and go, I wanna depend more on God and not wake up in the morning before I even get out of my bed and say, God, what do you want from me today? How can I say these things? See, we're all big talkers. But to live this out, I'm gonna actually have to make some choices, okay? I'm gonna have to do some things, and I think this is a separator in whether we grow in our faith or whether we shrink in our faith, and and it's a word that many of us can either push back from or embrace, and it's discipline, discipline. You know, I heard it recently, and it kind of stuck with me. I never thought about it this way, but I'm willing to embrace the concept. It said this, discipline is a skill. Do you know there's people among us? They're here probably right now. They get up at 4.30 and work out before they go into work every single morning. Yeah, yeah. You know there's people among us who look at the potato chip bag and say, no, I'm not gonna eat that. They're among us. They're out here. Do you know, teenagers, there's some who when they find out there's homework, they do it. I'm dead serious. I'm not making this stuff up. All right, college students, there are college students who have their essay done before 3 a.m. the morning it's due. It's unbelievable. They're among us, there's somewhere out here. There are people who have learned the art and skill of discipline, and there's others among us who are running with zero margin in their life, They say they're too busy for things, yet they shop their lives away. They say, I have no money, but hit buy now every night. They say, they say, I'm always too whatever, but leave five minutes before they need to get there and then are frustrated they're late or mad that the car in front of them is going slow when they never leave themselves margin. They're among us. And I think sometimes we fall into these categories in different areas of our lives, right? Isn't it amazing how in one area we're super disciplined? How can we keep this perfectly neat and tidy office and come home to a mess? How can we leave this perfectly clean and tidy home and go to work in a mess? It's because we have learned even to compartmentalize our lives and to give ourselves excuses. And man, I have got excuses, do you? 
But there was something recently, somebody's saying, how you wanna grow in your spiritual life this year, Chris? And I said, dead serious, dead serious. And they're like, yeah. I go, you're gonna look at me weird when I say this, yeah. I wanna take care of the temple that God's given me better. I do not like the way I'm treating this. I take for granted that it's pretty healthy. I take for granted that it's not severely or anything that, that, that's going on strategically or non-strategically. But I don't give it enough sleep. I push it too hard. Um, I don't do these things, and I know I have to develop a little more discipline now because this thing doesn't react the way it did when it was 20. And I'll make excuses. I'll start doing things, and things will hurt, and I'll go, well, there's the reason to stop instead of pushing through it. I have learned in my own life, okay, and I'm spending a little time on this because I just want to encourage you to come along with this. Often when you give discipline messages, people feel it comes off legalistic, or do this or do that, or it turns into a comparison trap. That's not what we're here for. I'm here to encourage you specifically today to say, what is it that you want different this year? And, and don't, 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 don't give me if this happens or if this happens. No, no, no. What do you want? What are you sick of? Like, I'm sick of this. And I actually can control. I'm doing this to myself. I'm doing this to myself. And I know it. And I've made all reasons why it's other people's fault, but the reality is I'm doing it to myself, okay? I want my back to feel healthier. Well, then maybe you need to get a better chair or actually sit up when you're working, Chris, instead of hunching over all day. I don't want to sit up. It's more comfortable just to sit like this and have my th shoulders throb, okay? But the discipline to sit myself up. I want to I I feel I wanna feel like I don't walk in mud sometimes. Well then, Chris, maybe we should run a couple times. I don't want to run. I hate running. That's what walking's for. <laughs> I used to like it, no fun, okay? And, and if I say I wanna run, I'll say that all 21. If I say I'm gonna run three times this week, I might. If I say I'm gonna run two times this week, better chance. If I tell Rebecca I need to run three times, there's a really good chance I'm going to. If I write it down and tell Rebecca I'm gonna run three times, and guess what, I ran three times this week. And I feel even better. The ankle hurts a little bit. That comes up from my junior year in college. But I know I gotta push through to keep it going. And I know I may not. But I also know I'm sick of feeling the way I was feeling and getting that fluid going, getting my heart rate up, keeping my cholesterol down, all old people words, young people, you start using these words at certain ages. It's gonna help me and I know it. And I can cry about it all I want or I can actually do something about it because there is a level where a choice has to be made. So I started thinking, who could inspire me? Who is someone who demonstrates discipline? And that's our pioneer this morning. This is a whatever, whenever type of guy. He is the definition of extreme. And so sometimes it's fun to put out extreme and say, we're not going there, but it's at least, at least encouraging to look at somebody that insane. This guy was disciplined beyond belief. He was the son of a preacher, so he was already born into expectations, okay? He was a son of a Puritan preacher, so crank that up another level, okay? He wrote an essay at the age of 11 because he was inspired by the writings of Isaac Newton. All of my 11-year-olds writing essays on the, on the aspect of spiders, okay? Pretty cool subject for an 11-year-old. At 13, just before 13, so 12, just before 13, he entered Yale. 
So we're dealing with a prodigy. He entered Yale, graduated around 16 from Yale. You may know him as the president of Princeton University. This is Jonathan Edwards. But one of the things that Jonathan Edwards is most noted for, if you go back into his life, and keep in mind, with all our pioneers, we're not setting out to be like, they all have their flaws, they all have things you could point out about them that aren't perfect at all. In fact, maybe things you don't even like about the pioneers we've mentioned in the fall and even into this series. But what we see in these people is we're taking the good of what we see, and, and we're leaning into that. And one of the neat things about Jonathan Edwards was he was disciplined to grow in his faith. How many of you would like to do that? I wanna discipline myself to grow in my faith. I wanna take that choice. I wanna make excuses. And in order to do that, he wrote out 70 resolutions. 70 resolutions over a period of two to three years. Now, what's his resolutions? I am resolved to do these things. And he wanted this on paper and documented and wrote out 70, and, and it's important so we don't turn into a self-help message here that we understand that Jonathan Edwards felt he would not fulfill these 70 without the help of the Lord. And so right under here, if you can see, you can't read it, but I'm gonna point it. Right here, I'm gonna read you what that says, okay? So all of these resolutions fall under this umbrella. He says, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help. I'm not gonna be able to do any of these 70 without God's help. Let that be an umbrella. If anybody ever uses these resolutions to say, now go out there and be a better Christian, he's saying, I have to have God's help. I do humbly entreat him to his grace to help me with these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. Jonathan Edwards, it says, remember to read these. He put, remember to read over these resolutions once a week. You should see the posterity Jonathan Edwards had. His family, how incredibly successful his family was. He's like a disciplined, achiever, oh my word type, okay? So before you go, well, th those people are weird, okay? And he may be. <laughs> In fact, I don't know if you'd wanna be his friend. He's so intense, okay? But I want you to hear some of these resolutions. I'm gonna read a couple here. They're numbered, so I'll just, I picked out a few myself. Here, 37, resolved to inquire every night as I am going to bed where I have been negligent, what sin I have committed and wherein I have denied myself. Also at the end of every week, month, and year, December 22nd and December 26th, 1722. He did that one twice. I'm gonna tell you, he is incredible with words. We don't write like this anymore, but these are his resolutions. Here's another one. Here's number 69. Resolved always to do that which I shall wish I had done when I see others do it. August 11, 1723. If I see somebody do something, I go, man, that is really awesome. I am resolved I'm gonna do it. Wow. Wrote it down. 67. Resolved after afflictions. When, when I have a trial come into my life, I'm gonna ask or inquire, what am I the better for them? What good have I got by them? And what might I have got by them? When something bad happens to me, I'm gonna say, what did I get out of that? What good came of that? He's resolved to do it. Wrote it down, 46. Um, never to allow, parents are gonna like this one. Never to allow the least measure of anything fretting uneasiness at my father or mother. Resolved to suffer no effects of it, so much as in the least alteration of speech or motion of my eye. Should I mention he was 18 when he wrote these? 
Just in case, young people, you think, oh, this is for older people when they get serious about their faith. 18, 19, and 20, he wrote these. So you're talking about a really young man who said, I'm going to resolve myself to grow passionately in my faith. Wow. Wow, I get two more for you here. Resolved, resolved to study the scripture so steadily. Listen to this, listen to this. To study scripture so steadily, constantly and frequently, as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. You just got this feeling like he's in his room going, all right, bring it on. Man, here's another, 42. Resolve frequently to renew the dedication of myself to God. I love that word, renew. It was made at my baptism, which I solemnly renewed when I was received into the communion of the church and which I have solemnly remade this 12th day of January 1722, and he went back at 23. This guy was different. He was different. And so today I'm not talking to the masses. I'm not. I wanna talk to anybody in here who's going, God, I feel you calling me to be different. I feel that. I, I feel you want me to be different than I have been. And I've gotta stop saying, that's just my personality. I've gotta stop saying, you just don't understand. I've gotta stop saying, well, people are. I have got to stop making excuses for myself because I believe you're calling me to be different. Heavenly Father, May you use our message today to not well up inside us guilt and legalism that can often come when we hear discipline and achieving and going for things. Lord, instead, fill us with a desire and an inspiration to say, I want a faith, a relationship with God that is different in 21 than it was in 2020. I want to walk through this year differently. I am tired of reacting the same way. I am tired of treating people this way. I am tired of abusing myself. I'm tired of hating myself. I'm tired of hating people. I'm tired of all this bitterness. I'm tired of all this arrogance. I'm tired of this stubborn heart. I'm tired of fighting with my kids. I'm tired of fighting with my husband. God, I want to be different. God, we're going to need your help with this sermon today. So would you visit this place and encourage us and keep the enemy out of here from guilting us in your name. Amen. Let's jump in Acts. I love Acts. It's all about new. There's a new stage. The gospel's going out to the Gentiles. There's a new course. It's the launch of the church. There's a new people, the body of Christ. This is about us and our birth if you will, into reality. But Acts is also one of a kind. You gotta love the book of Acts. You're not gonna find another record of the transition of Judaism to Christianity in scriptures like Acts. You're not gonna find a better canvas of the background behind Paul's New Testament epistles. If you read all the Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, Acts is the background. You're not gonna find a library of the growth and practice of the early church like in Acts, and you're not gonna see a sequel of the history set forth in the Gospels like the book of Acts. If you read a gospel, you 
almost have to read Acts after the Gospels because Jesus says, go guys, and they go. And it's a tour of the captivating accounts of the apostles' epic faith. And we've been meeting these guys, haven't we? We've had 12 apostles and we've kind of looked at their personalities. We got Peter, the influential leader, James, the passionate one, John, the man of conviction, Andrew, the quiet servant leader, Philip, the details guy, Bartholomew, the scholar, Matthew, the recovering rebel, Thomas, the faithful follower, James, the obscure one, we don't know much about him, Thaddeus, the hype guy, the energy guy, everybody should know about you. We got Simon, he's more political, he's the activist. We got Matthias who replaced Judas, who came up from within. And we see them growing the church and God using them to grow the church and great mighty things have happened, including the day of Pentecost when fire came down. These guys started speaking in different languages and the people understood and the church began to grow. Remember 3,000 were added and then they kept adding and kept adding. So this is turning into a mega church right before our eyes and they're meeting throughout and they're gathering together and scripture says in Acts 6 that, that this place, it just kept. Now in these days where the disciples were encouraged Increasing in number. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, there's too many of them. <laughs> and a complaint arose. I have often found where there's a lot of increasing in anything, complaints arise myself. Even in my own life, because things get fuller and you start going, man, this is getting missed. This is getting missed. And something was getting missed in the church. What was it? Well, the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, all my middle schoolers out here, I always checked out at your age when I heard Hellenist and Hebrew. Go on. See ya. What's for lunch? All right. So, so, so watch this for a second, okay? There's two different groups of Jews, all right? There were the Hebrews, and they followed the Mosaic law, Okay? They were originating in Palestine. They were living in Palestine and they spoke Aramaic and Greek. Then there were the Hellenists, okay? They followed the Mosaic law and they were beginning to embrace some other things. They were part of the diaspora, which means they were dispersed, but now they have returned to Palestine. So those who had stayed in Palestine, now they got a group of people coming back. You think they are gonna well receive them at all times? No. And they often spoke Greek, not as much Aramaic. And so there seemed to be a linguistic battle between these two. And they began to kind of get tension. They were all Jews, but ones were more of the Greek and, and one were obviously more in, of the Hebrew. And there was a frustration growing and it was that the disciples were increasing in number. But who's taking care of the widows? The church has always shown a desire to care for widows. It's one of the things that I think is pretty neat about this church is a heartbeat to care for widows. And it's always been about the church and it continued from these times. So what do they do? Do the 12 apostles drop everything and go take care of this need? What, what happens? Well, some of you are familiar with this text. It says, and the 12 summoned, called for the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, upon first reading, you go, wait a minute. Are you saying caring for people's not important? That's not what this is. In fact, their response to this is gonna show you that caring for people is desperately important. But what they're saying is we have a big rock. If you were in our tent series, the big rock is the most important thing. 
And it can't get away from that. We gotta nail that first, then we can get other things. The only reason we know about these widows is because they're coming to the preaching of the word of God. And because they're coming, we know of them because they're embracing this. So we gotta keep that preaching, the word of God, a big rock. And if we go serve tables, we could get away from doing that. And we gotta keep that going. So we're gonna have to fulfill this need another way. I remember being a young youth pastor and um, I was being trained at that time and I had set up for an event all day. We didn't have a ton of help at that time and I was sweating. I was in a sweaty shirt and I was gonna change my shirt. I think I had actually called my wife and said, could you run up a clean shirt for the youth event? I don't have time to shower. And I was like setting up all day, tense and stuff and sweaty and, and I was pounding out a message because I, I didn't know what I was gonna say yet. And it was about 10 minutes, the kids are gonna start coming and my, my mentor came in, he said, Chris, what are you doing? I said, oh man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta nail down my devotional. He goes, should, should maybe have done that first and then set up? Well, what was he speaking to? That setting up for the event wasn't important? No, that was important. But should that take priority? Should you rush through your devotional because you had time to set up a really cool event? And he was teaching me something about both things are good, Chris, but one has to be more important. And this is exactly what's going on here. So they said, therefore, let's pick out, let's pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Let's go pick some guys out. Seven men of good repute. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We're, we're gonna get some people to help with this issue. It's a real issue. But we're gonna stay devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word. A church who allows its pastors to stay focused on prayer and the preaching of the word is gonna be a church that remains stable instead of getting involved in all the other affairs. Not that they're not important, but a church needs to keep that rock really big because otherwise things will fall apart underneath it. They understood that. They gotta devote themselves. They've gotta make their priority. You know what, young people, having kids go into college, if you're in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, your grades really do matter whether you agree with that or not. They really matter. As somebody who often thought, do they really matter? They really matter, okay? Especially if you want any kind of scholarships, they really matter. And it's one of your number one priorities right now. College student, it really matters that you stay focused and keep some sort of direction. You don't have to know exactly what you wanna do, but you can't just go through every day of your life wondering how to make sure I hit the power button on PlayStation 5. It matters that you're at least moving towards a goal. It matters. If you're, if you're a person with struggling with different things in your life, it matters that you're in the word of God desperately. Do you know what season of life you're in and what you really need to prioritize? Sometimes we will tell people, you know what you have to actually prioritize right now? Not that ministry, your wife. That's what you need to prioritize right now. If it ain't right at home, what makes you think you should be out here at church leading everyone? That's an area you gotta lock in on. And that's not out of judgment, that's just saying, that's your lock-in spot. We have to know in our lives, there's a lot of good options, but where do I actually need to lock in? And they understood that, and they said it's the prayer and the ministry of the word. But you know what made me step back, and maybe it's the achiever guy in me, maybe it's my personality, but I thought, what would it be like to be one of the seven chosen out of maybe 5,000 people? 
I mean, I, mean, I, I look at what they were looking for. Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, great reputations. They're full of the spirit. How do you mark that? They have wisdom whom we're gonna appoint to the duty. And out of some maybe 5,000 people in the church, seven guys get selected. And guys, isn't there part of us that goes, I wonder if I'd be one of the seven. What would that be like? And, and, and you gotta be careful because when I throw that out, comparisons start coming in your head. I gotta I got do better starts, starts to well up inside you. I was sharing this with the prayer partners. I said, imagine being one of the seven men selected from 5,000 going, you know what? You're a spiritual leader for all of us. We're asking you to do it. Imagine that. I might say, hey, pick out from among you seven of the wealthiest people. Be easy to find, right? Pick out from among you seven of the coolest clothes. Pick out from among you seven of the most fun people to be around. We could think of all those things, but pick out from among you seven, seven men who have great reputations, are full of the spirit, show demonstrate wisdom, and we're gonna point them to this duty. And I started thinking about how different these seven must have been to stand out from a crowd of 5,000 some people. And they selected them, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and full of the Holy Spirit, and of the Holy Spirit. And they also selected Philip, Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas. Philip, we know, became a great evangelist. Prochorius, he actually became the secretary to the Apostle John. We don't know much about the final four. Some believe Nicholas may have gone off into um, heresy and actually began the Nicolaitans, which Revelation talks about but that's not to be assured, so we don't necessarily wanna bash his name because that's not totally sure. But these guys, they set before them, and the, and the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. These seven guys get in front of all the apostles. Here's the 12 apostles, Peter, John, Andrew, and they pray over these guys and say, you're gonna be the ones. And here's something you might not notice. Jump under the surface. All these names are Hellenist names which is curious to me. These are Jews, okay, with a lot of Greek descent in them. And so they said, there is a problem with the Hellenist widows. Let's get Hellenists to deal with it. I like that. You see a problem? Yeah, we're gonna ask you to deal with it. It's something we've really taken on here as a church. When someone says, hey, I think we have this struggle, we go, you may have just signed yourself up. Oh, I was asking you to do it. But, but they called from within their church people to care for this situation. And the word of God continued to increase. It didn't get bogged down by this complaint. And the disciples multiplied greatly because they dealt with it immediately and a great many of the priests even became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, it says, full of grace and power was doing great wonders and signs among the people. I mean, things really took off from this great decision. And so here's a couple things I wrote down to use for our staff when we're always trying to look at the early church and ways we can grow from it. Um, so you, I'll just let you in on, on just how we kind of coach sometimes. Early church, family looked out for physical needs. That was important to them. Early church leadership prioritized prayer and preaching. The early church administration willingly adapted methods. They weren't married to their methods. If the method wasn't working, they changed it. Early church challenges were addressed, not dismissed. I like that. And early church solutions came from within. These are things we can just kind of grow from and mark down. 
Then verse nine says, then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freed men, as it was called, I like that. It seems like Luke's like, oh my word, they're naming their synagogues, okay? The synagogue of the freed men, they often were most likely, they were imprisoned by Roman authorities and they had become freed and they named their synagogue after it. And of the Cyrians and the Alexandrians and those from Sicilia and the Asia, excuse me, Sicilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. Now, you might not find this verse interesting unless I told you a little bit of background. There was a guy from this synagogue right here. His name was Saul of Tarsus. That's the synagogue he went to. Now, now some of you already know what's about to happen to Stephen next week because that's when we'll cover it. It's not actually gonna happen next week. But many believe Saul of Tarsus was a part of it. And you can see right here a growing concern with this Stephen who is so different. God is using him. He's full of grace and power and doing great wonders. But they could not withstand his wisdom when they went after him. They couldn't handle him. And the spirit was which he was speaking. Then instead they, they went and look what they did. They secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. They began to stir people up. We've got a bad situation here. Stir people up and crowds fickle. They will follow people who stoke them up. And they're all stoked up and they've got them believing this lie that Stephen's doing this and they come before the Sanhedrin, which we understand is that the chamber of the huge stone, we believe it's where they're entering. And in that room, they set up false witnesses, verse 13 says. And they said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the custom that Moses delivered to us and they were gazing at him and look what they saw. This guy's got the face of an angel. What's that about? Oh, it means he was handsome. He may have been. Do you know early church paints him as a younger man? Possibly in his late 20s, early 30s? We don't know for sure what age he was, but I've even seen in movies, they've picked up on some of that and have portrayed him as a younger man. So Stephen very well likely could have been any 25, 27, 28, 29 year old guys out there, you're getting your life going, thinking about whether you're gonna buy a house, starting your first business, getting off on a first adventure, just finished up college, wondering what you're gonna do with a degree, got a girl you might like, or maybe you've married or whatever. Any young guys out there, you might be Stephen's age. And this guy is just pounding it out for Jesus Christ and he's getting all this pushback. But when they look at him, there's something different about him. There's just something different about him. And someone will even say, he's got like the face of an angel. And the only comparison I could think of is remember when Moses went up and saw God? Remember he would come down off Mount Sinai and remember what would happen to his face? It would glow, right? It would glow. And it would eventually go away, but it would glow. You just wonder what was going on here and we don't have a full answer. But they accused him. They said, he is against the law and he's saying this Jesus Christ is gonna change everything and the high priest turns to Stephen and says, well, are these things true? What's Stephen gonna say? What's Stephen gonna do? How's he gonna respond? Find out next week. 
We're gonna just stop right here because I want us to reflect on this guy, Stephen. And we will do his rebuttal and then what happens to him for his rebuttal next week. There was something I noticed as I was reading through this text. I wonder if it stood out to you too. Because when I hear different, Stephen's different, when Chris, you're talking to me about disciplining myself, I just feel this sense of I better achieve, I better do something, especially in us guys. Ladies and us guys, we have built within us this kind of just this hunter mentality, this achieve mentality, this do stuff. And so when we hear sermons like this specifically, there's something that wells up in us, but if we feel defeated, we get angry about stuff like this. Don't, don't tell me, okay? So there's a lot going on emotionally in a guy when he hears there's men out there disciplining themselves. So guys, just put that aside for a second. There's judgment-free zone. Because all these hot shots, they failed too. I noticed there was something that made something different Stephen different, and it didn't require, it didn't require talent. And so I thought, oh, that's good, I need to know that. There were five things I noticed about Stephen. And they all start with full of, full of, full of, full of. And now, now I'm gonna make this a little bit easier and I'm gonna tell you the first one is this. He was full of the spirit. So the fact that he was different had more to do with what he was full of than whether he was awesome, whether he was good looking, whether he was tall, whether he was fast, whether he was smart, whether he made money. He was full of something. So put your achiever hats, take them off guys and just put them aside, just stop it. Take your comparison hat of that guy or that guy or that guy, take it off, put it over here. He was full of something. And he was full of the spirit. Now, there's two way, guys. Ladies, I love you. Just listen in for a second. I'm just gonna, I will help you by helping us guys. There's two way, guys, that we can crush the Holy Spirit. And this is true of you too, ladies. It's so true of you too. Scripture gives us two ways that we can stop from being full of. Now, when, we're, when we know Jesus Christ, our Savior, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. But we're told to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a continual action. There's two ways to stop it. Scripture says, here's the first way. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. You ever, you ever have a fire? You have a fire in your chimney? If you don't feed it logs, it's gonna slowly go out. If you come in with water, you can actually start to put it out, right? Scripture uses a very similar word. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. You wanna be different? Don't quench the Holy Spirit. But in Ephesians 4.30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. So this isn't, this isn't position, the Spirit's in me, but there's two things, guys and girls, we can do to not see the Spirit working in our life and to prevent us from being different like Stephen. Do not grieve and do not quench. Do you see that, that the Holy Spirit is definitely God and a person that we talked about last week? He can be grieved but he also can be quenched. He can, they, we can hold him, starve him from doing what he wants to do in us and we can sadden him by not doing it. Here's the reality. If we wanna see the spirit not flowing through our lives, sin is gonna be the way to slow him down. Sin. Guys, we can't harbor lust and expect a full of the spirit life. <laughs> Ladies, we can't harbor resentment 
for what he never did that he said he would and see a full of the spirit life, okay? Teenager, you can't lie every day to your parents and see the full spirit coming out of your life. College student, you can't pursue the things of this world with all your heart, soul, and mind and also pursue the things of God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You can't do it. But see, Christians, at times, guys, we want everything, but we can't. We've gotta make choices. We've got to discipline ourselves. But you know what I found interesting in my own study? Right before do not quench the spirit, let's put some legs on it, so how do I not quench the spirit? Right before this verse, do you know what the verse is right before that verse? Let's give it a little context, here's the verse. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for Christ Jesus in you. What's the will of God for me in 2021? There you go. Boy, that doesn't really seem to matter what's on the news. That doesn't seem to matter what my friends say. That doesn't seem to matter what doomsday and articles I read. That seems to be free of all those things. Yeah, that's an attitude. Our attitude makes us different when the whole world around us is acting one way. Our attitude is what makes us different. And, and I see that, and this is one of the ways I will keep from quenching the spirit in my life, checking my attitude. But let's go to that second one. It said, don't grieve him. Don't grieve him. Do you know what's right after Ephesians 4.30? Do you know what the verses are? Don't grieve him. Here it is. Ready? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. So obedience, put away these things. I can't tell you how many people have told me they're just stinking angry. Well, that's a bad place to be because that's a place that grieves the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness, that's harboring resentment. Wrath, that's outbursts of frustration. Anger, that's noisy assertiveness. Clamor, that's shouting and arguing. Slander, those are words meant to hurt people. And malice is ill will towards another. Our obedience, and you're not gonna wanna obey to that sometimes. We'll grieve the Holy Spirit. Our disobedience will grieve the Holy Spirit. So don't think you can walk around angry, ticked off, mad, talking bad about people and think that fully you're gonna be full of the Spirit. You have the Spirit, but we're grieving him when we live that way. Instead, he says this. I want you to do this instead. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. <laughs> well, I don't wanna do that. Well, Christ did it for you. Oh, don't bring him into this. You deserve it? Unbeliever, if you're here today, maybe haven't ever placed your faith and trust, do you know what our motivation is as Christians to live for the Bible? It's not the way people treat us. In fact, those things can frustrate us. It's because Jesus did it for us <laughs> when we didn't deserve it. That's our motivation. He loved us when we didn't deserve it, and he offered his free love to us when we didn't deserve it, and we accepted it. And part of that accepting is saying, I'm gonna turn from what I wanna do, and I'm gonna do what you wanna do. And we've all learned in our faith that part of the Christian life is a discipline to say no in order to say yes. The Holy Spirit will show himself massively in your life where obedience is present and where our attitude matches the will of God. And if you're not carrying that, please stop wondering where God is in your life. He is as simple as, Lord, forgive me. 
I have allowed my attitude and my disobedience to your clear teaching to penetrate my soul and to prevent me from living different. Do you know how hard it is to coach a hard heart to love people? <laughs> I'll have parents sometimes call me, hey, could you meet with my teen? Do they wanna meet with me? No, well then, it's not worth it. We have to desire it. The greatest thing a parent could do for a hard-hearted young person is to pray for their heart to soften. And it's what we need to be praying for one another. Lord, soften our hearts. Stephen was these things. Look at him. Full of the Spirit, Scripture describes him as full of faith, full of wisdom, full of grace, full of power. He was different. But see, the problem in our life is we're fed a very different message. You're not fed the message of the Holy Spirit outside of church, really. In fact, if I were to give you a checkbox on how to fulfill your resolutions, the high achievers in this room, okay, they're, there's a, they're among us, okay? They love checking boxes. These boxes would be much more acceptable to the world. You ready? I want you to go for success at all costs. Instagram is full of how to get successful, okay? Recognition, get recognized. The more followers you have, the more important you are than other people. I'm, I'm talking world here, okay? Don't quote me on that one. The world says you got more followers, you're more important, okay? Get a blue check by you, you're really important. Other people aren't. Oh, you got 20 followers, you're an unimportant person. The world says gain control of your circumstances. Hey, man, you gotta work for yourself. You can't be letting anybody tell you what to do. Impulse, hey, buy it now. If you don't buy it now, you're gonna lose it. Exploitation, you, you don't be kind to people, you use people. You need connections, get to know people and use them for your purposes. See, it starts speaking, right? This is the world. Evil, hey, if you gotta do that to get what you need to do, then you just gotta do it, man. But it's wrong, it don't matter. It's about you, man, you gotta get this done. Position, look, it's not about being faithful, leave. Yeah, but I said this, I made a commitment. No, no, leave, that position's better, just move. Power, don't be gentle, tell people to shut up. Do what you wanna do. They gave you the position for a reason. See, the world appeals to all these things, passion instead of self-control. And see, what happens is we begin to feed that every day. Slowly, we don't, we don't think of it real obviously. We're not like, oh yeah, this is happening in my life. But see, when we're younger, we're said, just, hey, just keep going for success, man. It, it's not about loving people, it's about how much we can make and how much we can achieve. It's not, about, it's not about having real joy and peace in life. It's about getting recognized. And, and see, it doesn't happen right away. We don't really notice, but, but what happens is we keep feeding ourselves with these messages and these lies and the world, and I do it too. Don't, don't be like, oh, well, Chris has arrived. and we yeah, No, I, I make these mistakes. We make impulse decisions that weigh us down, so we're living in tons of debt, and we're stressed about it all the time. We exploit people, and so if somebody doesn't do what we want, we just cut the relationship off. They're dead to me. But we harbor the bitterness and resentment. <laughs> instead, of, in, instead of goodness, we choose evil at times, so we gotta lie a lot to cover that all up. And what happens is it, it, it just keeps building up inside of us, and, and we didn't even realize it. And before you know it, 2021 stinks again. <laughs> because we keep falling in this trap, and the Holy Spirit it's just kind of like, I mean, scripture tells me he's kind of like, oh, man, he's grieved. Come on. 
hey, hey, come on, open the word. I, I would, Lord, but you know how busy I am. And we just make these little decisions every day and we tell the spirit, and, and, and before you know it, we're bogged down by a way to sin. And, and then we come to church and the pastor says something like, you gotta do this. And we start saying, all right, I gotta stop this. I gotta stop this. And we walk out, we walk out Sunday and go, I gotta stop, I gotta stop this. But then Monday, I'm gonna drink it. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we're like, oh man, I gotta do that. But did you notice on the other side of my choices there is basically what you see is the, the fruit of the spirit? See, this is the fruit of the flesh. This is what our flesh wants. This is what I want here on earth. This is what my, my sinful nature desires, these things. But the spirit wants to see these in my life. But in order to do that, I need to actually bring some discipline into my life. And I think this is where these resolutions are important in our life. It's one thing for you to say, yeah, I gotta start loving people. It's another to be a Jonathan Edwards type and write down this. To examine carefully and constantly what the one thing in me is which causes me in the least to doubt the love of God and to direct all my forces against it. Whoa. It's one thing to say I want joy in my life and not just kind of get recognized and, and, and get noted. It's another to write down a resolution at 19 that goes, if I take the light in as a gratification of pride or vanity, that's looking at myself and thinking something, or any such account, immediately I'm gonna throw it by. It's one thing to say I want peace instead of control. It's another to write down a resolution and say, I frequently hear persons in old age say how they would live if they were to live their lives once again. Resolved at 19 that I will live just so as I can think I shall wish I had done, supposing I even lived old age. I am not gonna live a life of regret. I'm going to listen to the wisdom of people in my life. It's one thing to say I want patience versus impulse. It's another to write a resolution. I think it was in 1722, never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear the last trump. I'm not gonna make a decision without thinking this. What if this is the last hour of my life? Resolved. It's one thing to say I'm not gonna exploit people. I wanna show kindness. It's another to write down I'm gonna not only refrain from an air of dislike for people or fretfulness and anger in conversation, but to exhibit an air of love, cheerfulness, and benignity. May 27th, it seems he had an issue with it, came back July 13th and wrote it again. Clearly a struggle. It's one thing to say I'm gonna choose goodness over evil. It's another to write whenever I do conspicuously evil action to trace it back till I come to the original cause of why I did that evil action and then both carefully endeavor to do so no more and to fight and pray with all my might against the origin of it. It's one thing to say I want faithfulness versus position, but then it's another to write resolved to be strictly and firmly faithful to my trust that in Proverbs 26, a faithful man who can find may not partly be fulfilled in me. Gentleness instead of power Never to say anything at all against anybody, but when it is perfectly agreeable to the highest degree of Christian honor, agreeable to the lowest humility and the sense of my own faults and my own failings and agreeable to the golden rule. I'm not even gonna talk without thinking through that. And then self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit. Discipline, instead of just spewing passion. I wanna do this, he says. If I ever shall fail and grow dull so as to neglect or keep any a part of these resolutions, 
to repent of all I can remember when I come to myself again, June 17, 23. Different. This year, I don't want it to be another year of going. I gotta clean this mess up. I gotta clean this mess up. I, I, wanna, I wanna flip that. <laughs> As I walk into my basement, I put up a sign and, and I got it at, I got it, don't, don't think it's over spiritual. I think I got it at um, Hobby Lobby. But it, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness and I see it every time in my house and I, I just want it in, in the house because I just need constant reminders. Um, so often I think we're trying to remove stuff and that's what gets us. In fact, I think it's the opposite, guys. I think we just need to fill. We need to fill, okay? If you want love, you've gotta fill this up and the more you fill it up with the good stuff, you're gonna drain out the bad stuff. See, oftentimes we go, I gotta deal with this, but we don't try to replace it with anything. We've gotta replace it and so if you want more love, why aren't you not buying a devotional book on love? Like Bob Goff writes some of the best stuff on love you'll ever read. Just pour that in this year. Just pour that in. Instead of going, I gotta change everything. Um, love, uh, joy, joy. Um, I, I did a devotional series on joy. I found three books on just um, discovering joy in your life. You can read that this year. Just pour that in. Look, look at this, look at this glass clearing up. I mean, you, you could, um, peace, okay? One of the best works um, was released that I've read on anxiety in a while from uh, Dave Ramsey's website, um, Killing Anxiety. Great book, awesome stuff, pour that in, pour that in. Got good scriptural principles and things you can work on. Love, joy, peace, patience, patience, woo, okay? Anybody want to dare pray for patience in 2021? All you need to do is turn on your TV, you can grow your patience, right? Pour, pour, pour patience in, I would memorize five verses on patience. You gotta do that this year. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, kindness. Lord, I don't wanna just use people. I wanna truly be kind to people. And, and, and I'd study verses on kindness. I would do a Bible study on kindness if that was an issue. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Lord, evil in my life, I'm gonna repent of my sins. I'm gonna lay my head down every night like Jonathan Edwards. And I'm, I'm gonna say, Lord, is there anything I need to confess to you? I'm just gonna pour that prayer into my life. Maybe my health, I'm gonna work on that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Lord, self-control. And the more I pour in you this year, the more I fill myself with the things of the Spirit, the more 2021's gonna be different. And so often I think, we think this is this battle of I've gotta do this, I've gotta do this, I've gotta do this. I would put away your achiever hat and I just say, God, I need more of you, 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 and I bet you'll find you're gonna be different in 2021. This is not a go out and do. This is a go out and soak in. Soak in the good stuff. Every good stuff you can find, soak it in. This is your year to memorize scripture. This is your year to get that new devotional. This is your year to go get a journal Bible and write down your notes. This is your year to soak in the good stuff because my word, there's enough bad stuff for everybody out there. And if you ask me, it's quite annoying. Heavenly Father, thank you for filling us with the good stuff. Forgive us, Lord. We, we get confused. We're, we're sheep though and you know that. You're such a good shepherd. You know we get wandering off. 
And there's people in this room probably like me who go, yeah, I do wanna be different, but I just don't believe I can. Well, that's a good thing, because they can't. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But here's what we can do. We can discipline ourselves to fulfill, to fill, excuse me, we can discipline ourselves to fill our stuff with good stuff. Lord, we've been challenged our church to have a verse of the week. It wasn't in Psalms for me this week, Lord, but it was definitely in your word. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, think on these things. And that verse guided me when I began to dwell on things I didn't or I shouldn't. Lord, may we flood ourselves so much as a church with such good stuff from you. Oh, that we watch the dirt and the grime be cast aside because we desire so much of you that we got no room for anything else. May we leave this year different. And may we even walk out today and say, I'm not going to bed tonight without getting out my cell phone, my journal, or my Bible and writing down five resolutions on how I can grow in my faith. Amen.